service if you want to know more about that. Well, we're going to come around the Word of God right now and we have an amazing lady coming to share the good news. She has a gift from God to preach. She has a prophetic anointing on her life. So I want you to welcome Annalise. She comes and shares to us with us this morning. Thank you, Pastor Greg. Amazing, amazing. Wow, what a week it's been in my household. We have had health hurdles like you wouldn't believe. Um, my, my womb fruit are actually home today with, the, with my husband. Um, he's taken one for the team. But um, poor Thomas, he's had a rough trot. He had a tummy bug on Wednesday and then developed croup on Friday. And um, I swear he's destined for the big screen because he says, Mummy, I've got the croup. Um, like, just like Derek Zoolander off the... <laughs> And he says he's got the black lung. It's very reminiscent. Um, exciting news, though. Uh, I have spoken about the manager at my store before, but she said to me this week, I, I just went in and just said hello, and she said, I'm going to your church on Sunday. And I said, oh. She said, yeah, your church. I'm like, oh, I didn't know I had one, but that's all right. But she meant a happy, clappy, Pentecostal, born-again church. <laughs> So she's actually sitting in a service right now and I just pray that the presence of God just arrests her heart and just lands and it becomes such a tangible experience for her and it's just um, amazing what God is doing. He's still calling back, calling people home to to uh, to his house really and if he wasn't, I'd be very worried because we're all still sitting here if the rapture had come and we were all still here. But um, yeah, and I also just want to say um, thank you to Nat who sent me an just encouraging message yesterday. We all need a Nat in our life. If you haven't got one, get one. But um, just thank her and the team and we're ready to do this. Let's do it. So the title of my message today is, If Life Gives You Lemons, You Don't Have to Make Lemonade. Because our lemons provide us with opportunities to cast our eyes heavenward and see all the amazing work that God is doing through us and around us. I don't know about you, has anyone ever felt like life was dishing you a lot of lemons? Have you ever felt yourself saying, I'm busy or I'm overwhelmed, I feel anxious because of circumstances sometimes in your control or out of your control? A big fat case of life isn't fair. Or you may just be pondering the question, there must be more to the routine and to life and what is seemingly a monotonous daily pattern. Is anyone with me? Yeah? Good. A few people are. All right. Well, let's just keep on trucking. But I truly believe, I truly, truly believe that today there are some people here facing quite a lot of lemons finding yourselves drowning in circumstance and contemplating the statement, there must be more than this. And I believe today if we can just, we'll just explore a bit of what Paul's talking about in his letters, letter to the Philippians, we might then have some idea how God has illustrated perfectly how to raise our head above water and to walk through and handle our lemons and to contemplate the race that Paul talks about. Can I just have this down a scotch, Ben, if that's okay? Terrific. And I'm just going to go ahead and pray. 
Dear Heavenly Father, let the words that are spoken today be anointed, Lord God. Let them be from directly from heaven and a word to our heart for this particular season today, Lord God. I pray Psalm 19.14 says, May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Amen. Now, I swore that after Professor Rick Watts came to Uni Hill, I'd never touch Paul. Never, ever. But now, alas, I find myself in the midst of Philippians and I'm looking at mostly chapters three and four. I'm not going to read it all today, but that's where I've just, I've read and I meditated and felt that there are principles in these passages that really align to how we can work work through and walk through our lemons. So if you turn with me now to Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. It says, Paul says, Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And if anyone is taking notes, there's also a parallel scripture about heavenward thinking when Paul writes to the Colossians in chapter 3 verses 1 to 2. So if you have time, I, I highly recommend checking it out. Now, yes, I had been pondering the statement, when life gives you lemons, just make lemonade for quite a while because lately it really did seem like life was handing me quite a few lemons. But I thought, I actually think this statement is actually really dumb and I think it was just, it's just a wrong statement because if anything, lemonade is just piling on a whole lot of sugar and adding a bit of water, but essentially the bitter taste of lemon is still there. And I'm really not sure how the I Quit Sugar people feel about lemonade, honestly. But then about four months ago, I was woken by God, because it's always in the middle of the night, who showed me a very clear illustration. Now, I'll take you there if you like. Picture Lucille Ball, her red hair pinned up, with a scarf around her head. And if you're familiar with her body of work, I'm talking about the chocolate scene and the famous grape crushing scene. And it's a style of comedy that we might be familiar, all wrapped into one. But instead of this insane redhead, it was me. I was standing under a lemon tree with a big black basket and I was comedically picking lemons with canned laughter in the background until I was completely overcome by the weight of this giant lemon basket. And God questioned me and said, in the midst of this ridiculous scene, asked me, who is picking the lemons? So I pondered God's question, because that's what you do when he wakes you in the middle of the night. You have to think about what he's trying to tell you. And I realised that most of my lemons were actually as a direct result of choices that I had made. That generally speaking, the sensation of feeling overwhelmed and overrun by the busyness of life, the feeling that I could no longer do everything and fit everything into a tight schedule and thus feeling incredibly frustrated when things weren't easily slotting in or working out as I had intended 
were all because I was standing under the lemon tree, picking lemons and filling a basket that was already full. And the main point that I want to unpack with you today, and I believe may prophetically awaken some people's eyes to see what God is doing and help you deal with situations you find yourselves in, and it's this. Our impatience or lack of truly knowing what it means to be content and to wait for God to bring deliverance to a very deep, sometimes highly emotional or difficult life moment, we find ourselves filling an insatiable need with distractions because God isn't doing what we want or isn't moving as swiftly as we would like. And therefore, we make choices and decisions based on a deep root of discontentedness to help us endure the waiting. And when we get some time down the track of life and we look at what our lives are like, that we find these choices have turned into a whole lot of lemons that have taken us far away from the course or off the racetrack completely. You know, the symptoms we can sometimes feel of stress, anxiety, or feeling overwhelmed with juggling the stuff in our lives, or the feeling of just rolling over one day into another, the routine of life, same old, same old, we throw our arms up in the air and say, I can't do this anymore. Now, you might be, a wholehearted, <clears throat> sign me up for anything except India, Lord send me Christian, where you definitely have not turned your back on God at all. But in this illustration, God revealed to me that because of our overcrowded, our busy lives, filled with the choices that we've made to appease our discontentedness, it makes it harder for God to not only reveal to us his good works, but by failing to make room for him, we actually are turning our focus away from a heavenly perspective. We're failing to see what God is doing and we create a life that is too busy for God to use us or fulfill his promise. It is a life filled with less of God and more of me. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, as Paul says in chapters 13, um, verses 15 to 16, so let's keep focused on that goal, those of us who want everything God has for us. If any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision, you'll see it. Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. So as I said, from Philippians chapters 3 and 4, I believe there are three principles that really respond to the statement, when life gives you lemons. And that is this, these three points. Number one, get a heavenward perspective. Number two, be content. And number three, think differently. So point one, shifting your focus heavenward helps to deal with the lemons. So what do you do with said lemons once you've found that you have a whole basket of them? Well, we have to find that heavenly perspective in all that we do with the lemons 
and with the lemonade. For me, it was adjusting my mindset and giving everything over to God. Now that God had shown me that I had a bad habit of lemon picking, I had to now change my mindset and move from, I can't do this anymore, to I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Thank you. And sometimes we say that in a, in a moment of frustration, I can't, I can't, I can't. But every time I found myself getting to that stage when I just wanted to throw my hands up and say, I can't do this anymore, I, have, I had to arrest my thought and I had to turn it around and say, I oh, know I can, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, it sounds really simple. But it's one of the hardest things to do because we can become so complacent in our thinking that most of the time we talk ourselves into our stresses because we don't have a kingdom mindset. No, I can't do anything. But yes, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It is by his strength and his strength alone that gives me the ability to carry out anything, including my lemons. You know, I didn't suddenly land on this thought by myself. I'm not actually not that good. It was God who again dropped a big clangor on me. And I was walking into shopping town at the time about to vomit all my stresses onto my mum over a cup of coffee. When God again just grabbed a hold of my heart and said, how dare you control And hold on to all the worry and stress and not give it over to me. Who do you think you are? Do you think you are me? Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Wow, I mean, like a total game changer. In chapters, in Philippians chapter 4 verse 6, using the message translation, Paul says this, Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the centre of your life. What an amazing illustration that Paul says. Just displaces worry when God comes in and just invades our worry and takes our worry from us and it just you know all things work together for good he's just amazing he knows we can't do anything by ourselves that life can be full of lemons that we're going to make choices which result in mistakes or worse suffer the mistakes of others yet if we will humble ourselves and recognize who is indeed sitting on the throne then it is his compassion, his glory, his mercy that allows us to hand over the mess of it all so that he can carry the burden of the state of our lives and work all things for good for his glory if we love him and place him at the centre of the world. And really, it's about humbling ourselves, knowing we can't do it by ourselves. That's the whole point. You won't take the burdens unless we say first, God, oh, What a mess I've made, but you are almighty. You are majesty incarnate, Lord. Thank you for who you are and what you do. And here, take my burdens from me. Cast them over to him. Point two, being content in the circumstance and not picking lemons for the sake of picking lemons. 
So chapter 4, verse 11, it says, Actually, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I've learned by now to be quite content, whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much, with much as with little. I've found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. Mm. For me, the cycle of my lemon picking began when I was pinning my hopes on this one thing I was wanting changed in my life. And what I found was that the more and more discontented I found this circumstance not changing, instead of stopping and waiting on God, I started to pick lemons. Because in my discontentedness, I thought, oh, if I just say yes to one more thing, this will help me feel fulfilled. And what will counteract the feelings I'm feeling when I think of that thing not changing. Now, by lemons in this scenario, I mean saying yes to everything. Doing more of life, catch-ups, increase my work hours, more of what makes me happy, more personal projects, more for the kids, more for family, more for friends. As Jerry in Seinfeld's, when he was asked the question, more anything, more everything. Or if you're more of a Jim Carrey fan, you're becoming a yes man. I'll say yes to anything. And obviously, two or three, three lemons in my life weren't enough. I just kept on saying yes, and I picked another, kept on piling in more and more. And this is why God woke me up in the middle of the night. For me, it was my impatience for God to give me my Red Sea moment meant that I was trying to orchestrate and run my life but not only controlling all the decisions, but also controlling the pathway that I wanted God to follow. I became so fixated on this one thing. If that changes, then everything else will fall into place. Well, God, while I wait on you to fix this one thing, I'll just do a bit of this and a bit of that to make the pressure of you having to do it all by yourself. And if I just run ahead in this bit and fill my days with that, which will be a welcome distraction from you know what, well, that will fulfill me. When we try to control the outcome, whether we care to admit it or not, we are moving and shifting and running and turning when in truth, we should be just waiting and watching. You know, I'd been praying close to three years for this one thing to change in my life. And in those three years, because I was so focused on wanting this circumstance to change, that out of complete desperation and not knowing how to be content in the circumstance, I began picking a lot of lemons to help distract me from the way I was feeling. I did not know the true measure of, as Paul talks about, being content in the circumstance. I thought I knew it. I thought I had this wrapped up. I thought, yeah, I easily know how to be content and wait on you, God. But when God exposed my lemon-picking ways, 
I really hadn't grasped this concept at all. I thought if I make myself busy enough, or we seem to be doing this, all this stuff in my life, then it will be far easier to wait for God to work this thing out. And I'll be able to deal with the circumstance a lot better if I'm balancing out with the things I enjoy doing. But it was Beth Moore in a recent tweet who said this. Bring God the thing, the need, the longing, the heart's desire, the petition, the hope and the dream. Give it over to him that instead of fixating on waiting for the fruition of the thing, reset your focus on waiting on the Lord in regard to the thing. So to paraphrase what I believe Beth is saying here, she's saying move your focus from the result to the actual process. She says, and this is where I believe it is so relevant, she says, in Scripture, waiting isn't passive. It's a watchman on the wall with anxious, even joyful expectation, watching the horizon, not for the thing, but for God knowing he will show up. And because I'm a visual learner, I'm reminded of that amazing scene in Pirates of the Caribbean where Elizabeth Swan is, she's just found, or Will Turner's just cut his heart out and done all this gross, gross stuff and he's become Davy Jones and she, he can only come on land for se- once in every seven years and there she is, this silhouette of this woman watching and waiting on the, for the horizon to wait for her beloved to return. It's that eagerness, that anticipation, the, that anxiousness that we, it's active waiting And this is also supported in Colossians 4.2 where it says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Being watchful in it. In it. Not hand it over to God and then make yourself busy enough to move away from it. No, it's concentrating on the fact that God will deliver me, that he has plans and purposes that surpass my thinking but that I'll just carry on life and kind of wait and hope that things will change. No, I should be watching eagerly, deliberately, anxiously. Then finally, Beth says this, which was game, set and match for me. And as I felt like I was on the Titanic and I just started throwing lemons off overboard like unnecessary cargo. We miss the thousand works of God around us because we fixate on the one. You know, I was thinking it was all about the end of the circumstance, the fruition, the when life gets better expectation, that God will intervene and life will all about, be all about dancing on top of a mountain, singing the hills are alive and life is wonderful. In fact, I'm almost none like today. Um, didn't realise. So he's channeling Maria. Anyway, did I, sorry, (laughs) that I lost sight of the works and the answers to prayer and the movement and shifting and subtle changes and God's blessings and works and grace and hope, all the work that was going on around me to change me. We miss it. We miss the being thankful and grateful for the little things and waiting for the circumstance to change rather than actively waiting and being content. We can become impatient 
and so focused on the fruition that we pick a whole lot of lemons in the meantime and become too distracted that we don't see the good works and learn to be thankful in the waiting. You know, if I really wanted to be busy and be distracted, I should have just distracted myself with waiting. Point three, sometimes they just aren't your lemons. We've all had them, right? Circumstances and lemons that are outside your control. They can sometimes be soul-destroying, life-sucking and completely unjust. And on November the 6th, 2015, I just had a feeling in my waters. Just knew that I knew that I knew that Chris Valentine was going to call me. Because him, he and Kane went out for a bike ride that day and I just knew it. I just knew it. Sure enough, I think it was about four o'clock, the phone rang. Chris V. No, so I wasn't actually surprised. And I picked up the phone and I heard, I, and I remember him saying, oh, Kane's, Kane's had a bit of an accident. And my heart sank. And he said, we're making our way out of the Plenty Gorge at the moment, um, but I think you're going to need to get him some medical treatment. I'm like, oh, boys will be boys. Anyway, so they uh, came, or Kane drove himself home. I still don't really understand what the exchange was between them. Um, he, he assured Chris he was all right. And I don't know who was more gullible of the two. No offence, Chris. But, I mean, Chris did an amazing job. He just he trusted Kane. Kane said he was all right. And so Kane drove himself home. And then the, the greyness of Kane's face, I just knew things weren't right. So we jumped in the car and literally on our way to the hospital, any slightest bump in the road, it was just... Oh, oh, this sickening sound emanating from the other other side of the car. And being a teacher, I, I'm a bit, I'm not blasé, but I'm, you know, so sometimes you get preps and come up with, I've got a sniffly nose and you think, oh, we'll just get a tissue and you, you pass it off. And I'm just like, oh, you're all right, Karen, you'll be right. It's just, just, just your shoulder, don't worry, we'll pop it back in and things will be all right. And I thought, this is a bit of the man flu again. Is this kind of like a man's? But anyway, he was literally whimpering and crying all the way to the hospital. And then when we got in, um, oh no, it happened to be Adele's hello song at the time of us driving in. And so I started to make up lyrics because that's what you do. Hello from the Plenty Gorge. I must have called a thousand times to tell you I've hurt my shoulder and it hurts so much, I'm in so much pain. You know, they kind of, that just fill it in with the lyrics. Anyway, so I'm singing along and creating these, Hello from the planet God. Anyway, I won't take you back there. So we got to the hospital and we literally just, I just thought they're just going to pop it back in and we'll be right as rain, we'll be home for dinner, everything will be fine. So when the nurse cut off his shirt, um, there was no, there was no protruding bone. I'm like, oh, this is pretty good. And she's like, no, this is pretty bad. So they had to do a thingy, whatever, scan. (laughs) And found out that he'd actually, imagine we're at a Greek wedding and you've got your dinner plate, which happens to be your shoulder blade, and you've just gone smash. And so his shoulder blade was literally in pieces, basically. And yeah, I can talk about it now, but this was a big lemon. This was a really big lemon that I hadn't planned for and I really wasn't happy about. And when we were walking into the hospital, I still had a sense of humour at that stage. Um, and I said to him, if we put the slide up, Look, Kane, they've put up a welcome sign to welcome you in. <laughs> Which he obviously didn't find very funny. You can see him all crouched over because he's in so much pain. Hello from the Plenty Gorge. So anyway, um, 
So I found myself at home with, I think Thomas was about 16 months at the time, so I'm changing his nappy and I'm, no, I didn't, I wasn't. No, Kane was all right. I think it was his other, anyway, I don't even remember. But yeah, lemons come at you in all shapes and sizes, whether you expect it or not. Um, and and that was one of my lemon stories. But there is an amazing story in Greek mythology that speaks about this woman called Atalanta, who was like the epitome of like a destiny's child, independent woman, beauty and grace, all just personified in this a mega, mega woman. But she was raised by bears, but also raised by Apollo, who agreed with her, and this is good advice to our youth, when she said she never wanted to be married. Such a Greek thing, isn't it? I never want to be married. Um, But he said, you must never marry. If you do, you will surely lose your own identity. Anyway, long story short, she agrees to race any suitor in the region. And there were so many men lined up to race at Atlanta uh, in a foot race because they wanted to win her hand in marriage. And of course, in Greek mythology, there's always a little bit of downside that if you did actually lose, well, you die. (laughs) But that's all right, it's a side point because you could win and then you marry Atlanta. So it's all, you know, it's all good. But then there's this dude called Hippomenes and he sees Atalanta sprinting past one of her suitors and he says, that's the woman for me. I need her, I want her, I want her hand in marriage. So he sought out the help of Venus and she gave him three golden apples to help um, that he's going to use in the race to distract Atalanta along the way. So as he's running, he's flipping out these um, golden apples. I'm not too sure where he put them. I don't really want to know. Not an not important element of the story. But he flung them out. And so she'd see these glittering balls and leave the course running after all of them. And this is, of course, how he beats her and wins her hand in marriage. And this, I think, is what it's like when the fruit or lemons of other people land in our race. We are caught by surprise. They take us off guard and we end up distracted or leave the course, chasing after the glittering ball while others take the lead. And then this is the question that I ask myself and that I'll ask you today. For the lemons we create or the lemons of other people, when we are stopped in our tracks by lemons, are we taking our eyes off heaven because we become so dragged down and distracted by them? Or do we keep our eyes heavenward? No, God has got it sorted and throw them away and keep going. See, it comes back to where I started reading in Philippians at the beginning when I said, you know, keeping our eyes heavenward. Knowing we can't do life, the race on our own, but we need to surrender our lemons to God instead of taking control for ourselves. But of course, we also need to think differently about our circumstances. And that's the other aspect of how we set ourselves apart from people who aren't following Christ. You know, when we suffer the symptoms of life, when we're stressed and overwhelmed or too busy, what do we look like to other people? Do we look like a stressed out, can't cope with life, glass half empty, bring the mood down kind of people? That's not what Christ had in mind for us. That's not very life liberating, showcasing that following Christ is something that's attractive. Why would I want to be a Christian? You don't look very happy. All you do is complain about how stressed you are. And this is what Paul describes in verse 17. 
Join with others in following my example and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. The pattern of running the race with an eternal perspective and showing the world that we think differently. As Paul mentions in verse 15, having a mature view about our circumstances, that we are content in all the circumstances, that we have a heavenward perspective with everything. We know that we can't do anything without God, but when the serious stuff comes at us, out of the lemons and our choices seem to be mounting up, that we know how to grab the Word of God, the Word of the Spirit, the sword of the Spirit, flip its pages open, land on something like Psalm 91 and just go for it. Go to the throne room with every part, every fibre of being, with nothing left behind. That's what we need to do. That's how we think differently and that's how we show the world about a heavenward perspective. So you may be sitting there thinking, well, this is all great, Annalie, but how do I start the process and processing and getting rid of and purging all these lemons in my life? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. <laughs> I've asked it for you. So practically speaking, this is what I did. Firstly, I sat down and wrote a list of all my lemons, all the things, the commitments, the events, the tasks that filled my life, and I prioritised them one through to down to whatever they were. But then I eliminated things that could be put aside for now. I was led by the Ecclesiastes 9 model um, to everything there is a season. Some of you might know it as turn, turn, turn by the birds, but whatever your version is good for you. Then I stopped. I just stopped doing those things immediately because I just didn't want to be distracted anymore. But then most importantly, I prayed. And I handed everything over to God well, Lord, these are the things I need to do or want to do and what my capacity and my time will allow. So I give it to you, God. I can't do this without you. And if there's anything on this list that distracts or takes me away from what you need me to do, then make it really evident because I'm a little, I'm sometimes hard of hearing, but make it really clear in my mind and in my heart, Lord. Or this list isn't, for me, and you've got me going somewhere else entirely, your will, Lord, not mine. Send me. And But then I took responsibility for the list I've made. I stopped stressing about it or complaining, although if Cain was here, he might. I'm still working on this element, complaining how busy I am, complaining how busy I am, but knowing that I can't do it anyway without God, full stop. And what I do get done is because God has given me the strength to do all things and will be with me always. You know, sometimes we fail to take responsibility for the lemons in our life. We think the world is out to get us. But when we stop to think about the lemons that we may be facing, it tends to stem back to the decisions or choices that we've made in our lives. And usually our decisions that result in lemons come from a place of discontent, a place of impatience, or a lack of trust in the work that God is doing in our lives. And we wonder, why do we find ourselves so tired and exhausted, overwhelmed and anxious, dissatisfied sometimes, with our lives and that we're drowning in lemons. Why? 
because we've been running ahead of God, controlling and holding on to our burdens, struggling and shaking and trying to move and make things happen, picking lemons and now dealing with the end result of the busyness of our lives. We do not know what it really means to be content in our circumstance or what it truly means to wait on God. Would you please stand with me now and as I draw this to a close and pray. You know, I'm bold enough to believe that there may be people here today who are being prompted by the Holy Spirit about lemons that you may have in your life. They're lemons that have stopped you in your tracks. They've distracted you from the course that you've been racing and running. And they've robbed you, robbed you of your heavenward perspective and knowing who you are in Christ and the purposes and plans that He has for you. Maybe they're lemons that you've taken control of and you're carrying the burden, no longer relying on God in your own strength. You've given up. You've said, I can't do this anymore. But failed to pass those lemons onto God who can release you of your burden. also might be struggling to find contentment in the circumstance. Things that you're facing or you've been waiting for breakthrough on, it just hasn't come. So instead of waiting and trusting that you've just forgotten and just running the course of life for the sake of running a routine, doing a, a daily routine without expectantly and anxiously waiting on God and being content in this moment, knowing that He will work, He is working all things for His glory in and behind the scenes. Maybe you need your eyes opened to the magnificent and magnificence and wonder of God for all that He's doing to turn your discontentment into an understanding that God has got it in His hand and He's completely in control. You know, it comes to a, it came to a crossroads for me. I just went, I can't, I can't do this anymore, Lord. It's all yours. And started to really think about those lemons that had to release and let go. And I really feel that this is a word for people today. So if, if I could be so bold, if you could just close your eyes and if you feel that this the Holy Spirit is prompting in your heart, could you please raise your hand because I'd love to pray with you today. that you've raised your hand because it's a sign that you're saying, Lord, your will, not mine.
Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank You for Your Word, Lord God. I thank You that You are so merciful and gracious, Lord, that You would take these burdens, these lemons from our life, Lord God, that You would give us a heavenward perspective, Lord, of how You're moving and all the works that You have done and all Your blessings and all that You're walking with us through these lemons, Lord God. I pray today as we've practically put our hands and raised our hands heavenward, Lord, that You would take these lemons from our hands, take the control, take the anguish, take the anxiety, take the feeling of being overwhelmed, Lord, once and for all, and we throw it at the foot of the cross, Lord God, that you would take it from us, Lord, today and make it a new direction, a new heavenward perspective, because you can do all things, Lord God, and we now can do all things because you are partnering with us, Lord, not by our strength, Lord, but by yours and your magnificence and power and almighty presence, Lord. Oh, Lord, give us a new, a new season of seeing you, Lord. And if those circumstances, Lord, aren't going to change in the immediate future, that we are okay and we are content to wait in the circumstances. Lord, give us a patience that surpasses um, what we've felt before, Lord God, knowing and recognising that you are at work and will deliver us, will give us a Red Sea moment that far surpasses what we ever imagined in, in Jesus' name. By your holy, holy name, Lord. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Listen, if you put your hand up and you want some prayer, why don't you just come out the front now? Come over to the ministry team, just come and join us as well. We have a, a number of people on the ministry team. Just come and stand out the front for me. And if you want someone to actually lay hands on you, you know, the Lord speaks to us directly, doesn't He? The Holy Spirit actually ministers life. So if you want some ministry, just come down the front now. We're going to sing.